0: you here today? Darling, I want my gay rights now. I think it's about time the gay brothers and sisters got their rights, and especially the women. How <laughs> will this affect you and your job? Darling, I don't have a job. I'm on welfare. I have no intention of getting a job as long as this country discriminates against homosexuals.
1: Welcome to The Healing Space, the Black and queer mental health podcast geared toward proving there's more than one way to heal. I am your host for the day, uh, Nia Desiree Clark. It is a Black trans woman and femme takeover today. Um, Thank you to Sensei Raven for offering this space to Black uh, trans women, Black trans femmes to talk about some of the uh, relevant issues that... Are impacting our existence today and so with that being said just want to get into who am I just give you kind of a a general uh, introduction so my name like I said before Nia Desiree Clark my pronouns are she hers hers and I am a woman of transgender experience a black woman of transgender experience and so what makes me distinctive I um, so to start out, I actually grew up in foster care. I was raised in the foster care system. I hail from Boston, Massachusetts originally. Go Sox! Um, and I was in the system for 14 years and 15 different placements in two states. And it was not a good experience. I, I socially transitioned um, and uh, I knew as young as the age of eight that I was trans. It wasn't until the age of 16 that I socially Uh, uh, transition to reflect on the outside um, how I felt on the inside and who I knew myself to be on the inside and that was met with a lot of um, resistance especially from social workers from foster and adoptive parents and it wasn't it wasn't uh, even uh, accepted at school um, when I socially transitioned at 16 and so what did I do with this I decided that um, There were a lot of adults around me who did not uh, respond well. And I decided when I aged out of the system that I wanted to be the adult who responds and that I wanted to teach other adults how to respond to young people who are really, uh, you know, on the margins. Young people who are the most vulnerable and those would be LGBTQ youth. Those would be sexual and gender minorities of color and even more specifically, black and brown children, black and brown queer children. And so when I aged out of the system, the system hired me. And I've been doing that work ever since as a direct care counselor in residential settings, as a trainer in therapeutic crisis intervention from Cornell University, um, and as a child welfare consultant. Um, And I've been doing that for many, many years now. It'll be 14 years actually in August. And so right now, what do I do? Um, So my role, I actually, as a consultant, I have a couple of clients. The first would be uh, the Human Rights Campaign, Human Rights Campaign Foundation. There is a distinction, folks. So Human Rights Campaign Foundation, they're really the ones who do the boots on the ground work, who do the work with uh, you know, with queer youth, they have an initiative called All Children, All Families, and it's really a two pronged approach. The first is to provide foster care agencies and adoption agencies and group homes and residential programs all over America with some benchmarks to meet so that they can provide safety and permanency and well being to LGBT children who are in the child welfare system. Um, and then also, We look at policies that are um, uh, anti-LGBT in some of these programs and agencies and we try to help those agencies to change their policies and practice so that they can better recruit prospective LGBT parents. Because I know from folks probably listening to this podcast there are many folks who already are LGBT parents um, and folks who actually want to be parents to a young person, LGBTQ identified or not. Um, And so what happens is in so many of these agencies, um, the first phone call you make when you ask, do you allow same gender adoption or do you allow trans folks to adopt? You talk to the receptionist who already has, you know, some implicit bias about queer folks and you get shut down in that first conversation or you hear something that sounds more anti-discriminatory than welcoming. um, And that shutdown happens. So doing a lot of work with those agencies to help them to get to a place where when someone walks into the agency, when someone calls, it's not just we don't discriminate on the basis of, it's we welcome and affirm and include, we actively and intentionally seek out LGBT prospective parents. And we actively affirm and support LGBTQ youth in foster care and adoption, uh, in congregate care or group homes. And so um, that's my first function, uh, my first client. And my other client is Big Brothers Big Sisters of America. Um, About three years ago, they tapped me to help them to launch a multi-year pilot project with 20, I believe it's 21 or 22, of their sites across the country, everywhere from uh, Mississippi to Nebraska, to Indianapolis, to California. Uh, Done some work in um, Louisville, Kentucky. Done some work in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, West Virginia, Virginia, uh, North Carolina, uh, Irving, Texas. So we go to these different sites and we provide them with some basic foundational training around LGBTQ youth um, but the focus is not on foster care it's on mentorship because what we really need as LGBTQ folks is mentorship that guided participation um, not to get too much into um, sociocultural theory um, but the guided participation is this idea of one person having more experience teaching a person with lesser experience the ways of the world and there isn't enough of that with regard to LGBTQ youth and especially black and brown queer youth. And so those are my primary functions right now and I do those um, part-time. I also, you know, have been involved in um, a lot of uh, activism and causes. So for instance, um, I was the former coordinator for Models of Pride, um, the Parent and Professional Institute. But those who don't know models of pride is the largest lgbtq plus youth conference um, in the world um, the largest free conference for lgbtq youth and so i was in charge of the parent and professional institute where we had about between four and five hundred parents receiving workshops opportunities to connect um, opportunities to receive resources and we would envelop all sorts of folks from uh, social workers to mental health professionals um, anyone you know who worked with or on behalf of young people including some of those parents who were um, just beginning to acknowledge that their children were queer identified or coming out so I've been doing this for a really long time you know i started I started in the nonprofit world um, even before I had aged out of the system at age 15. You know, there's a, a program here in Boston, um, an organization, a child welfare organization called the Home for Little Wanderers, and I started out at 15. Um, there was a program that was a, you know, a safer sex program, and I started out as kind of a peer leader, and you know, putting condoms on bananas back in the 90s, in the late 90s, and teaching young people my own age how to um, engage in safer sex practices how to embrace their LGBTQI identities and how to you know, find community as well. And so I've been steeped in that work for a really, really long time. And people have kind of seen that work and have reached out to me. So for instance, um, uh, you can actually check it out on YouTube. I, I actually uh, was a producer on a documentary for MTV. The documentary is called Transformation. You can see it on YouTube. And essentially I chose six of the youth that I was working with, all trans and uh, uh, gender nonconforming. And it's a really powerful documentary about their coming out process and a process of self-discovery. And there's this incredible, beautiful black woman who is the subject matter expert throughout the film. And her name is Mia Clark, just like me. That's me, yes. So you want to check out Transformation, definitely check out, you'll see kind of what I do with young people. Um, But that's the type of activism I like to be involved with. Um, Really doing some, you know, even though I've been engaged in direct uh, care and direct service for such a long time, I like to, to be in the room where I otherwise would not exist. I like being present in spaces where I would otherwise not exist. And that includes in spaces of policy. Um, and overarching practice, macro social work as well. That's really what's that. That's really where I find my activism is in, you know, being in that room, making sure that policies that turn into laws um, are inclusive of not only uh, sexual minorities but the gender minorities that experience the most disparities, meaning Black trans women. And so, with that, you know, I I just, I wanted to, you know, have this kind of this takeover kind of really focused and hone in on Black trans women and femmes. And so that's why I was so happy when uh, Raven had reached out because I, I had a lot of things on my mind and yet I, I didn't know what the best forum would be to kind of share some of my thoughts and share some of the things um, kind of ruminating in my thought process right now. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, you know, what's going on in our culture? And the first thing that comes to mind would be anti-transgender violence, and specifically anti-transgender violence toward uh, Black trans women and femmes. And I, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't take a moment to honor those who in the past, who since the, you know, since the beginning of the, you know, pandemic, have you know lost their lives or been assaulted in some regard and some of those folks being nina pop um you have uh, tony mcdade a black trans man actually who was murdered by the police in florida you have dominique uh, remy fells who was murdered as well and then the one that really has bothered me the most uh recently would be ria milton um ria milton was um discovered uh, she actually was murdered and her body dismembered and dumped into a river and I believe this is in in Texas um, where this took place and that that for me it really stuck out um, uh, for a few reasons that so that's uh, Rhea Milton number one and then Ayana Dior is number two and for the folks who don't know Ayana Dior Uh, who is also from Minneapolis, is a Black trans woman who um, just after um, George Floyd was assassinated by the police, uh, murdered by the police, um, she actually was in a bit of a fender bender. um, And she, you know, got out of the car and an argument ensued between her and some Black cisgender uh, heterosexual men. And she actually headed to what I believe was either a corner store or a gas station. Um, And by then a mob of about between 15 and 30 men, um, cisgender black men assembled and uh, proceeded to beat her, proceeded to to physically assault her um, to such a degree that she had to run into the corner store and uh, Try, kind of try to hide in the corner of right behind um, the salesperson's counter um, and you can I mean you can look up Ayana Dior and you can see this video for yourself but you know what came out for me and just watching this video not of Ayana being murdered but Ayana being beaten was this feeling that uh, black trans women are seen as subhuman that they're seen as Less than by um, other Black folks, uh, and you know, I just I can't erase the image of terror on Ayana's face because she had been beaten so viciously um, and without regard um, for her safety, for her life, and there was not really anyone there in this mob, this crowd of people who were there to really protect her. Even the attendant uh, behind the counter, when she tried to actually hide behind him, um, he kind of recoiled and pushed her off of him in disgust almost. And she's really there. And I just, I look at it and I think about, you know, a mouse being trapped in a corner, just waiting for someone, you know, someone is waiting for that mouse to come out so that they can kill it. And there are moments in that video that also Um, They haunt me because there are there are black men in that crowd. There are black women in that crowd Um, and even even younger than that there are some young people in that crowd and you can hear them saying it's okay, Got to come out sometime you got to come out sometime we're going to get you and that was so frightening to hear and I believe that this had only been a day um, after the George Floyd incident where this took place. And for me, just the inequities there, it spoke to a larger issue of um, uh, anti-LGBT sentiments and anti-trans sentiments within the black community. And I really believe that there are catalysts behind this. I really believe that it has more to do with um, black masculinity and toxic black masculinity. You know, I when that incident happened, I immediately remembered you know, what some, you know, well-known black celebrities, black men celebrities have said about trans folks. Like for instance, um, very recently, Harper Hill, who is one of my favorite black actors. I used to watch him in like Have Plenty and you know, all these shows and I thought he was just so handsome. And he was one of my celebrity crushes for a very long time. And most recently, he published a book on young black men and, you know, black men in mentorship. And I believe that Gabrielle Union, um, acclaimed actress Gabrielle Union had written something in it with regard to her children. And um, this is around the time that Zaya Wade, um, Gabrielle's uh, daughter, began socially transitioning and affirming her name as Zaya Wade and affirming her pronouns as she, her, and began to Affirm her truth through gender expression as well. And so Harper, um, Hill Harper, actually took a moment to post on Gabrielle Union's uh, Instagram uh, on Zaya's birthday, on Zaya's 13th birthday, which recently passed, and wrote um, something to the effect of Happy birthday, young man. Uh, your mother actually wrote um, some interesting things about you in my book. And then proceeded to plug his book. And that's one example. The other example would be I absolutely love Nipsey Hussle. Nipsey Hussle is, you know, another Black man who succumbed to violence, um, a Black man who was snuffed out before he could really, his like full potential could be realized. Um, but Nipsey Hussle being another person who was, had very, anti-LGBT sentiments, and it seemed to be focused on folks who were assigned male at birth, Black people who are assigned male at birth, and this feeling that any sort of femininity that someone expresses when they're assigned male at birth, that that is the transgression against Black masculinity, that that is the emasculation of the Black man, and that that emasculation, it further divides the Black community where um, to be effeminate as a black man is to be less than, is to be inferior to a white person or a white man. And that division ultimately uh, detracts us from our goal of black equity, of you know, black equality, of us actually receiving you know, what we are due. And I'm just here to say as someone who with a lot of lived experience that, that is just a fallacy that is so false, that is not true at all. What What we're really talking about, what some of these celebrities and even within the black queer community among black queer men, cisgender men, is this idea that feminine equals bad, that feminine equals weak. And what that really boils down to even more is misogyny. Hatred towards women, misogyny, and sexism. This belief that women are inferior, that women are weak, that to be a woman is to be weak. So, when we hear about this, even in hip hop culture, um, this idea that I ain't going out no punk, as no punk, you know, t- referring to people as faggots, um, you know, referring to people's manhood um that they have you know small genitalia things all these things that represent um femininity are all steeped in misogyny and steeped in sexism and so i call that out i want to take this time right now to call that out because um i am a i am a strong black woman and you know i don't think that black folks in general the black folks that I have interacted with in my lifetime who are cisgender the vast majority do not actually consider me to be black and so when things happen to me um, due to anti-transgender violence um, my issues are not as paramount or as uh, urgent as the issues of cisgender black people so you know even as this incident has happened with you know With Remy, excuse me, uh, Remy Wells and with Raya Milton, we're told by the black community that these are trans issues, not black issues. But we're not paying attention to the fact that there are so many social disparities, that these two women were born black. (laughs) That these two women were black. These are two women who were murdered. Tony McDade, a black trans man, was murdered by the police and this is a black man who was murdered and he did not receive the same attention from the media. He did not receive, uh, you know, the marches in the streets. There is nothing going on in New Zealand right now for Tony McDade. There's nothing really going on right now in the UK or in all of these other countries where where there are mass protests in the thousands millions of people all over the world who have shown up for George Floyd and injustice at the hands of colonialism and Europeans who have, you know, put together these police forces in an effort to protect their wealth. I mean, if we're really going to talk about it. But we don't see the, the same attention being given to Black trans folks. And it's because, you know, we are not considered to be black and when things happen to us we're murdered because we're trans and no one considers all of the deficits that we experience when it comes to employment when it comes to uh, health when it comes to accessing quality trans competent health care when it comes to housing even being given a place to live and one thing i also want to mention is As a Black trans woman, I recognize that intersectionality is a big part of who I am, because when you take down, when you take the term Black trans woman and you really dissect it, you have three uh, really marginalized, uh, you know, different per, uh, dimensions of identity. Because I am Black, I am trans, and a woman, and so I understand what it like it's like to go through oppression as a Black person. I understand what it's like to experience discrimination for being trans, being a gender minority. And then I also know what it's like to be relegated as less than as a woman. And so I don't I, I don't pick one of those and say, this is the one that goes first, or this is the one that goes first. I am a black trans woman, and in that is a collective identity, the proportions that make me the whole person that I am. What happens, however, is when you experience Um, Categorical rejection from within your own community when it comes to uh, being raised in an anti LGBT family or having been raised in an anti LGBT foster care system. Um, What happens so often is you don't experience Black pride. You don't experience pride in being Black because the people from whom you emanate, the people that give birth to you, the people that raise you, the people in your communities, in your faith communities, your churches, your grocery stores, the community centers, all look at you as though you are less than or that you are not welcome. How do you then engage in a movement where you're supposed to be revering Black lives? When you're supposed to be revering these Black lives, and your life isn't being revered. How do you then experience black pride? And for me, the only way that I've been really been able to experience black pride is in looking at historical oppression. Looking at historical oppression, as wonderful as incredible as Marsha P. Johnson was, much of what she is best known for is the oppression that she experienced as a black trans woman and the erasure of you know, her participation in the movement. Do you know how many documentaries there are that have completely erased her from the conversation around Stonewall? Sylvia Rivera, a you know, another trans woman of color. But what do we know most about her is everything that she had to stand up for and against in order to just be herself at a time where we had even fewer rights and even less social acceptance than we do now. And so I have to look at those those experiences looking at You know, uh, Miss Major and all of these older um, Black trans women, some of whom are not even here anymore because they just did not survive the AIDS crisis and lost our mentorship. But I can only seem to find, uh, you know, pride in my Black history by looking there, by looking at who came before. And so I want to just take that moment as we're looking towards this Black Lives Matter movement that, you know. It, you It's 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 about all of us. You can't say that Black Lives Matter if you uh, are an elitist within the Black community. If you're an elitist within the Black community, community, then you're qualifying which Black Lives Matter. That is what weakens the movement. That's what causes the division, the very division that you're so concerned about. You know, I remember um, earlier this year, I was presenting at <clears throat> national mentoring summit in Washington DC Um, and uh, they asked me to participate in a discussion around LGBTQ mentoring and they asked about and they asked about cissexism which is the belief that trans people either don't exist or shouldn't exist it's the the social construct uh, as opposed to transphobia which is which has more to do with the direct interactions um and so in talking about uh sexism and transphobia within the black community i remember there being a black cis woman at the end of that discussion who came up to me as everyone was dispersing and going to the next workshop who came up to me and said i really everything that you said really resonated with me however you know i just don't know how i feel about having these discussions around infighting among black folks in front of white people because i see many of these folks even though they're in positions of power this conference was comprised of executive uh directors and you know program managers things not not as many people who are directly engaged with mentees but her alluding to this idea that we have so many white spectators there's the white gaze is here and that um this is not a conversation that is meant for them to hear. And in that moment, I had to really think about, well, what's my priority here? And having to choose between my intersecting identities. Do I have a discussion with her about anti-blackness from the trans perspective? Or do I have a conversation with her about anti-blackness from a woman to woman? perspective as a black woman talking to another black woman and I chose to have an amalgam a kind of a combination of both and basically said to her this has been my I'm speaking from a place of my experience and while I know that you don't want us to look bad in front of quote unquote company this is very real and I'm not going to sugarcoat the you know the discrimination and anti-transgender violence that I've experienced at the hands of other black folks we need to do to address that. You're so worried about the optics and how everyone else is looking at us. We need to fix it on the inside. Uh, That should be the priority, not what white people are seeing right now. Let's take care of our business. And what that means is being affirming to black trans people and specifically black trans women. When I look at the LGBTQ community as a a gender minority and I see the anti-blackness that I experience there as well, when I'm told to come to the rally, but there's no one there really advocating for me. And then when I don't go to the rally, being told that um, either show up or shut up. You know, those are also examples of that anti-blackness. Nobody really taking into consider taking into consideration what are some of the socioeconomic barriers that prevent me from showing up in those spaces. And and seeing a majority of white, queer, cisgender people in those spaces trying to talk about equality and talking about equity and me not seeing that reflective in the leadership. These are all examples of that. And so those intersecting identities, they make me the person that I am. So I wanted to just take a moment to really break that down. Um, And so just realizing that I, I, you know, I come to this, I've come to this place where I, you know, I think about all of the people that make suggestions on what the community might need right now, what the community might uh, benefit from right now. And what I love, uh, Dr. Tori wieston um who's based in um, California, um, has always, you know, one of her young people was quoted as saying, you shouldn't do anything about us without us. And that's the best, you know, kind of advice that I can give to the, you know, to the Black queer community right now, if you are cisgender or you are not of transgender experience, is to make sure that you're including us in conversations. And then also, why is it that we're only a community when something bad happens? When is the last time, Black queer cisgender folks, that you had a Black trans woman in your home? When is the last time that you went out to dinner with your Black trans girl? When is the last time that you invited them out to go and do something fun, go on a hike? Given, you know, I understand what everything going on with COVID-19, that we're limited in our resources, but even think before that. In in these spaces where you say that you are an ally, just remember that allyship can be very passive. You know, allies can stand from afar. Allies can post on social media. But don't really have to step into the work of allyship. And that is why so many black trans women right now, we need co conspirators. We need accomplices. We need people who are not going to walk behind us and say, I support you. We need people who are going to walk beside us. So when those epithets are, are thrown at us, there isn't uh, silence, you know, that there is someone who is going to stand up for us. But not just in those capacities. We need friends too. I was talking to Raven earlier about the, the idea of tribes. That Black trans women, we are not. We are rarely afforded a tribe. We really have to do our own work in order to find our tribes. And I, I've had to do that all my life as a foster youth, as a as a Black woman, as a trans woman. Um, you know, all of these things. And it's really important to. Really ask yourself, if you are a trans ally, if you're an ally to the community, how many are actually in your circle? How many Black trans women do you actually protect or revere? How many do you celebrate when they actually do get that job, when they are able to legally transition to the name that most affirms them? How do you show up in the lives, in the day-to-day existence of a Black trans woman? And if the answer is, I don't, then the, the allyship is passive. Make a concerted effort to show up in the lives of Black trans women. Not only fight for us, but celebrate us. Celebrate us while we're here. Give me my roses while I'm here. That's what I want. And so moving beyond just the allyship, it's, it's also about being intentional You know about Uh, you know acceptance so tolerance versus acceptance versus affirmation so you know I've been in many black queer spaces I've gone to black gay nightclubs and I know what it's like when I'm walking through that space and people are are just tolerating my presence Um, I know what it's like to go even not just talking about black queer men but talking about black queer women as well I will never forget going to the Lesbians of, of Color Symposium at Harvard University back in 2013 and being in a space where people who did not know that I was a woman of trans experience, upon finding out, they stated that I had infiltrated that space and that I made them uncomfortable with my male energy. These are examples of that where people are tolerating my presence um, but not really affirming it. And I wanna make the distinction, when we say tolerate, when we say accept, these these are options that people um, believe that they have. I don't, I do not, that is not an option for me. I will not, I do not accept that. I do not internalize that you will tolerate me. I will allow you to respect me, I will allow you to be graced with my presence. But I will not allow anyone to believe that I'm being tolerated, that my space that's being taken up is just that. It's just space where I'm allowed to be. I have been, you know, the the biggest hypocrisy that I find even among queer cisgender women of color, black, black cis women, is this conversation around genitalia. That I, because of the genitalia I was assigned, excuse me, that I, uh, that I had, you know, when I was assigned at birth as male, there's this idea that you don't have a certain uh, semblance of experiences that someone would have if they were assigned female at birth. And what we're really talking about is, again, it's misogyny. This is another conversation around, um, you know, sexism and misogyny. Because for decades, we look at the Women's Liberation Movement. We look at Angela Davis. We look at so many powerful Black women who have come out and said, do not judge us by our breasts. Do not objectify us as just being vaginas. We're not just masturbatory devices. We're not just human mattresses. Um, We're not just these bodies that you can sexualize. And the hypocrisy in that statement to then hear from queer black cisgender women that genitalia would be something that they would focus on the hypocrisy there of objectifying another woman because of what she has in between her legs um, and really focusing on on body parts it's objectification within itself and it's, it's hypocritical and that is another example example of what detracts from the feminist movement what detracts from the black women um, experiencing sisterhood? And moving into that conversation about sisterhood, because there are, you know, there, are, <clears throat> there, there are many interventions that allies, that accomplices, that co-conspirator co-conspirators can engage in um, beyond just stating their, you know, their affirmation for black trans women or saying black trans lives matter or all black trans lives matter there's also something that we as black trans women can also offer to each other and so this part of this conversation is directed specifically toward black trans women you know i just want to say to you all i i think one of our biggest issues right now as women is we don't have our sisterhood We don't have as much of a sense of sisterhood. And I think it's because we have not really had um, positive black women mentors. We have not really had an opportunity to have that. Now, some of you may, I cannot speak for all, but when it comes to mentorship, that guided participation, I, you know, myself, I have never really been taught how to have positive, healthy relationships with other Black trans women, and so I I just happen to have met many in my activist work and befriended them, as you know, as a fellow activist, as a community member. But I've never really experienced the sisterhood, the feel, the sense of community, the the tribal feeling that I am part of something bigger than myself. And it's that isolation, it's that alienation, that leads so many of us sisters. Um, into some of that, those maladaptive coping skills, some of those mental health issues that come up. You know, if we, I, I decided when I knew that I was going to be taking over this podcast, I thought to myself, you know, how can I talk about sisterhood? How can I talk about what the needs of the community are if I'm not even communicating with other black trans women? And so I took it upon myself this week to actually reach out to black trans women that I've encountered over time, that I may have befriended kind of, you know, as an acquaintance. And I actually scheduled time to actually talk with them. A friend of mine, um, Stephanie Johnson, who I've known since I was 18 years old, a black trans woman based here in Massachusetts where I am now. I reached out to her, it's been years, maybe five, six years since I last saw her. And I reached out to her and I said, you know what, Mm -hmm. why aren't we spending time together? Why aren't we hanging out? Let's go and hang out. And I've got to do my part to really give in to, you know, to really help that sisterhood and, and, and to fortify that sisterhood. I think many of us, we would not be as much on the margins if we had access to the community. And I feel like we're at a point now where we've relied so much on LGBT, uh, LGBTQ cisgender black folks, to step up to the plate and support us and affirm us, and I think we're at a point now where we have to do some of that work um, together within the sisterhood, within a siblinghood, and really embrace our Black trans brothers and Black trans masculine folks as well. So that would be, you know, what I believe would be the the one of the best strategies for us is to really develop a sense of community. In many circles of queer folks, we refer to that as chosen family. I like to refer to it as a web of connection. And the stronger that web, the better the connection. We know scientifically that human beings die in isolation. And many of these Black trans women are isolated because they're experiencing so many socioeconomic disparities. And there's work that I'm going to do, that I have committed to do as a macro social worker um, I've committed to doing that and, and to fight for my sisters and my brothers and my siblings of trans experience, not only black, but um, of, of a multitude of ethnicities, but always black. <laughs> um, so with that and kind of talking about the sisterhood, I wanted to introduce um, the our two guests for today. Um, and so first we have Um, Amira Neal. And Amira Neal is a Black trans woman and self-taught painter and visual artist from Washington, D.C. by way of Pasadena, Maryland. And uh, Amira, she obtained her associates in fashion marketing from the Art Institute of New York, Pennsylvania, and then went on to obtain her bachelor's in fashion design at the International Academy of Design and Technology in Tampa, Florida. Our other guest would be Andy Jean. Andy Jean is an undeniably black and trans New York based stage and film costume designer. She's worked at the Shakespeare Theater Company, Signature Theater, and Santa Fe Opera. She's a native of South Florida and began her theater career at Florida School of the Arts. She's earned her bachelor's degree in business communications at the University of North Carolina and costume studies at Greensboro College. She has an MFA in design from uh, NYU's Tisch School of the Arts as well. Yes, let's snap. What's snap for the academics. Uh, Andy has draped costumes for over 30 shows and works freelance throughout the year. And she's the assistant costume shop manager at the Chautauqua Theatre Company. Her shows include Our Dear Dead Drug Lord, Siblings Play, One and Two, Amen Corner, Rags Parkland, Good Grief, Othello, Wig Out, Playboy of the West Indies, a Doll's House and the highly acclaimed What to Send Up When It Goes Down by Alicia Harris. Alan Andy loves meeting new artists and collaborating with directors and choreographers. So with that, I'm going to pass that on and hear from the ladies for a minute.
2: My name is Andy Jean, Queen Jean on Insta. Uh, I am a costume designer and storyteller here living in Brooklyn, New
0: York. Hi, everybody. My name is Amira Neal um, at The Vain Beauty on Instagram. I am a freelance visual artist here in the Washington, DC area.
2: Oh my God, sister, you are beautiful. I just want to like hold space for you and say you are beautiful. <laughs>
0: Thank really. you, sister. I appreciate that. And so are you. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you so it, much. It
2: is so, it is just so happy. I feel like we get to hold space today. Yes. Uh, we get to hold space today for joy, for joy, yeah, yes. uh, for unity,
1: yes.
2: um, and really for Black trans power.
1: Exactly.
2: Uh, exactly. That is something that I've been really craving this week, um, just in terms of like my soul being nourished because I, like, as you know, right, uh, literally this week, two of our own sisters uh, were taken away, and literally amidst what is happening in this world, not only with the national um, uh, epidemic, right, with this Corona Rita uh, virus, uh, but also literally with um, violence uh, against our Black brothers and sisters in this very country. So, um, how do you feel about that?
0: Um, you know, I so I'm very, 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 just in a I'm in a place that is not very good. Um, I know that's not a lot of language, <laughs> but I'm just not in a really good space because, you know, I see what's happening in the world um, in regard to the black community. And me, I am black before I'm trans, right? But it feels like, for me, being a Black trans woman, that my Black brothers and sisters, especially my Black cis brothers and sisters, they don't hear that. They don't see that. Know, it, it It's really, it's kind of disheartening because it's almost, it's almost like I'm invisible, you know? Um, and not even just me, my fellow trans brothers and sisters as well, you know? African-American trans women and men are murdered at the highest rate. You know, we have the highest death rate where our life expectancy is 35 years old. There's no fucking reason why our life expectancy should be 35 years old. And the and the part that really, really, really kills me the most is that Black trans women are dying at the hands of Black men and the Black community does not want to address it. So as a black trans woman, it's almost like, for me, my back is up against the wall.
2: Wow. Ooh, baby, you done.
0: Yeah, I, I know that was a lot, And, uh, I, and uh... I didn't mean to dive in. I didn't mean to dive in so deep.
2: <laughs> Girl, come on.
0: <laughs> but get... I, 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 just, I just had to get it out. I mean, it's, yeah. It's I don't understand. I, I, for the life of me, you know, my experience where we are in the world, I'm trying to choose my words wisely. My experiences and in, in my transition have the, mo- the most hatred that I have gotten. It hasn't been from the Latino community. It hasn't been from the white community. It hasn't been from the Asian community. It's been from my own community. And, you know, I see, you know the Black Lives Matter movement and everything that's going on. And it's powerful. Don't get me wrong. I am not knocking it at all. But it's just like, where do trans lives fit? Where Where do Black trans lives fit in it? That's where I'm trying to figure out. Because what happened to Dominique Foles, I believe that's her last name, F-E-L-L-S, Remy. that shouldn't have happened. That shouldn't have happened. No. And, this, and, and the part that really bothers me the most is that when trans women, Black trans women are murdered, do you know how many of the, the murder cases just go unsolved?
2: Because they don't care. I mean, I, look, and, and the thing is, I'm not here to like issue Black people, white people citations.
0: That is not my job, exactly, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but we have, we, have to, we have to do better as a community. We have to do better as a community. And we need to start holding ourselves more accountable. What happened to um, Ayanna Dior in Minnesota was unexcusable. That was un called for. I don't give a damn how many parked cars she hit. It did not require 30 men and 30 women to jump and beat that little girl the way that they beat her. That, that was fucking ludicrous. That, that we have to do better. We have to do better. We have.
2: and you know, sister. Uh, to to echo off of what you're saying, last night I actually was um, just in a, a place of like reflection uh, and deep meditation, and I was like, okay, so from me, I mean, and this is not to be triggering, but like for me, I know growing up, right? I started my little, little brown boy, a little heavyset brown boy. <laughs> I felt like we were instructed, right? Like I was instructed you protect your sister, right? If anybody steps up to her, you, you make protect sure.
0: Her. That's how it was with me. Or yeah.
2: sister. No one will ever disrespect her. They're gonna call her no bitch, no bald headed bitch, like me, none of that. Right? So I feel like to me, where how like, like where in terms of like um adulthood, right? Or just in terms of maturation, right? For for um for our black brothers, like where does that shift right where we are not protecting our trans sisters like they are our own sisters exactly and for me I also just felt like the way that they handled her was egregious it was
0: and you know something else queen I I don't mean to cut you off I'm sorry but the store they didn't even want to let her in to the store they didn't even want her in the store she was running for her fucking life and the store owners, they didn't even want her in the store. If you watch the video, they were trying to tell her to leave the store. And leave and so go with. <laughs> like, leave. what? Like you, you have that much hatred for a person that you see this person getting beat the fuck up by 30 motherfuckers, grown-ass men. And we all see how small a frame this little girl is. We, we see the... <laughs>
2: You, you know, but here's the thing I, to me, girl, I'm a big, already, you already know, I'm a big lady, honey. And for me, I don't care if I'm small, white, black, short, whatever, light skin, bald skin, like dark skin, middle of the road, brown. To me, it, there is no justifying the reaction, there's no justifying that level of abuse. No one should ever have to put their hands on anyone, right? If there was a disagreement as adults, hopefully, handle as, a- it
0: as adults.
2: He could handle it as adults. But to me, it was just like that. um, The mentality shifted, right? To like this really savage like behavior. And to me, I'm just like, if no one in this mob, right? Was like, hey, y'all, this is like, this ain't even right. Right? Like, how are we men beating up on a woman? And I'm like, wait a minute. So is this what we do now, bro?
0: Well, the problem, the problem is, let me stop you right there, sis. The problem in the African-American community, they don't see trans women for women. uh, That's the problem. uh, That's the issue. And let me educate you non-motherfucking, let me educate you non-factor motherfuckers for some shit right now. Hormone therapy is real. Hormone therapy, when you are on your hormones, especially for a long point of time, and you start taking that spiral lactone and it start breaking down your muscle mass, you can't, you not, you not built to be going out here fighting no whole grown ass man. Hormone therapy is something that is a part of your transition. So non-educated motherfuckers that like to comment so much, and excuse my language, that like to comment so much on how oh. transgender women are men and blah, yep. say blah, 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 you don't know shit. No. You fucking know nothing.
2: But you know what, sister, I, this is a conversation that, I mean, to be honest, I feel like I'm fatigued with having this conversation, but baby, I'm not tired yet. And and, and what I mean by that is how um close-minded right how ignorant right for us to try to say well because of genitalia this is not then going to deem what a like 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 this is now how i classify somebody first off we never see genitalia right no like none of us are walking naked out here
0: with our genitalia out exactly
2: so literally i just feel like what like literally it's it it, to me it's in it's insensitive and it's demoralizing, right if someone presents themselves to the world right it's very clear that she is a woman and she's exactly. a beautiful young woman and yeah. for y'all to attack a young lady is inexcusable and, and it's, it's unacceptable unacceptable and for me personally i just feel like
0: but in the wake know, of everything that's going on in the world i mean every and, and,
2: a and, and, fucking kmart just literally days before. Y'all blowing up Kmart. We are fucking up the system. And yet a real sister who's right here fighting and windmilling for y'all. Y'all gonna beat her the hell down. Girl, I think we are.
0: It's insensitive. It's very insensitive.
2: I mean, I really feel like... I didn't mean to cut you off. I feel like I, I, feel like I cut you off.
0: No, sister. You're <laughs> fine. You're fine. I really,
2: and this is something that is, like, so personal. I feel like I have five brothers, um, and maybe they range from 40 to uh, 21 now. And I'm always just like, are my brothers, right, the kind of men who would maybe see a trans brother, a trans sister out in the world, um, maybe potentially being subjected to violence, would they, would they be men and stand in? Would they be men and stand up and fight back? And that is something I, like I'll be very honest with you. As much like education, we try to. I mean, as much aware, like as much as we speak, I I don't know if they would, and that scares me. Cause that girl could be me. That girl could be oh, a could sister Mira. Yeah. That girl was Iana. Like, so for me, I really and truly feel like what are we going to do? And I don't think that it's always on us to try to like navigate and really build up opportunities to have these conversations. Yes, we can have these conversations, but but yeah, y'all have to meet us halfway. Right,
0: right. We, We, as a community, like I said, we gotta do better. We can't keep, my thing is, we can't keep blaming the white man and then basically doing the same systematic shit to our own people that the white man is doing to us. You understand what I'm saying? Like, we, like that is what they want us to do. They want us, we are already a siloed. So now we're just creating silos within, within silos. So basically it's, easy, it's easier for the white supremacy to infiltrate because we are already divided yes
2: and you know um okay brother um um billy porter i believe um just did a a really beautiful um uh letter or just like a call to action and he was really talking about like the uh colonial mindset right of our black brothers and sisters um and like and and that's i think kind of really um kind of alluding to like the generational trauma. But part of me also thinks that like, how can we want, right? Like, I, I, like, I, I, and I'm speaking on my behalf. I feel like we all want to achieve, right? A, a form of black excellence, right? We want to take pride in culture and that like literally we are black, we're beautiful, we're unstoppable, we are unmatchable. And I just feel like that same energy is not championed for our brown, and Black trans brothers and sisters. Okay. And to me, I think that is a huge, huge problem.
0: Because we're, we're looked at less than. We are the secrets, we are the, the fetishes, we are the fantasies, we're, we are the, the OnlyFans girls. And I'm not, listen, oh listen my God. I'm not shaming none of the girls out here who are doing their thing on OnlyFans. You make your money the way that you need to make your money. And ain't nobody on this earth can judge you. But what I'm saying is, we're more than just these fucking statistics. I am more than your fantasy. I am more than your fetish. I am more worthy than them. Absolutely.
2: Girl, you are valuable. You're valuable. You're magic. And I think for me... It ain't no...
0: Baby, this pussy priceless. Honey! It ain't no price tag, honey. (laughs) you You can't... Good
2: pussy, okay. Literally, we just came from a rally this afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) And honey, um, if y'all could smell me, y'all would smell good pussy. And I really feel like folks are so intimidated by that, right? I mean, I feel like these men um, uh, hold a really severe uh, sense of self hatred, Uh um, which I don't understand because I really feel like Black women continually uplift. Right, continually give our brothers uh, love, and 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 so I just don't know how we can literally move forward um, if this is the way we, uh, if this is the mindset that we're trying to hold on to. So, so, so yeah.
0: Go ahead. I'm I'm sorry. Continue. Yeah, I'm, I, I, but I do have a question. I do have a question. Yes.
2: Um uh, so Yeah.
0: <laughs> go ahead. No. Go ahead. Continue. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I,
2: I like. I, I really want. Um, when 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 we are having discussions about the future, it is imperative that trans and black and uh, brown brothers and sisters are first. I am. I, I we can no longer tolerate us literally coming in last, being sidelined, always being the last group because literally what the issue is is you don't consider us an equal, like you said, right? You don't consider us a valuable um and 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 we are, and we literally are magic and we literally are the foundation
0: of oh, the- do the you know so okay, so let me let me give you a quick history. Sylvia Rivera, right? Uh-huh. That- the marsh. And Marsha P. A lot of people don't know that Sylvia Rivera actually helped the Black Party Panther movement feed children. When the Black Panther Party movement was up and running in the 70s, Sylvia Rivera actually helped them feed the children. She was helping them with a lot of their fundraising. She was helping them with a lot of their with a lot of their protests. Yeah. A, a, a trans woman was helping the Black Party Panther movement. And no one talks about that. It's almost as if it it was erased from the history books. I I feel like, yeah, I'm sorry, baby. No, and, and for me, for me, it bothers me because trans people, we have been here this is not just something that just came out of the sky and oh my god where did these transgendered individuals come from no we have been here from the dawn of time if you go into the bible new not new testament the old testament they refer to us as eunuchs transgender people we have been around for the dawn of times we served with kings and queens we were some of the spiritual roots from the spiritual leaders and, and um and the Indian um the Native American um Well I, I mean I you know sometimes like
2: there are referred tropes. to us
0: as two spirited beings. That's right. You know, Just- we've been here. We've been here. And and to be quite frank, we're not fucking going anywhere.
2: We're not going anywhere and literally we can no longer be last. We can no longer be, oh that's right, them. No 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 front. And forward because I really feel like we have got to set a new precedence for how we move forward when we come out of this Rona Rita okay COVID whatever it is when we come out of Heineken Rita literally we cannot go back to the old way to me the old way is simply old and we really need to figure out how we're going to align ourselves how we're gonna put our steps in order to achieve these new not only like philosophies, but also like new ways that we can approach um, more uh, equality. Because I feel like a lot of times, you know, like like I have like family members and like friends are like, oh
0: yeah, I'm black trans matter,
2: and I'm like, okay, but like,
0: is that the difference thing? between saying it? Anyone can say it. You can say it, but do you really fucking mean it? I mean,
2: it, it, and to me, it's not something that is like a theory. No, we need to have this in practice, right? So literally in churches. In schools, like I, like we need to see Black and Brown trans people in, in in positions in positions of leadership. Like, literally, I just feel like we um, our narrative, and, and I know that you feel like this- we need some- to
0: rewrite the narrative. Yeah,
2: sometimes is like exists and really only uh, lives in ballroom or in sex work um, or like literally fetishization. And it's actually, wait a minute, wait a minute. Maybe not only have we been here since day one but we literally are like the source of everything, source of culture. Yes,
0: yes, yes. Yes.
2: So it's no I- um,
0: It's no shade. The, the, when you say the source, the source of culture, that really resonated with me. Um, there's so many trends that I see in the world now that stemmed from transgendered women there are so many trends there are so many trends that i see in the world that stemmed from the backs of transgendered women particularly black transgendered women and it's almost like you 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 want to erase us but yet you are so influenced by our culture
2: Well, they consume... Baby, here's something that is so uh, radical to me, right? Trans women have always been consumed, right? They consumed our brain, uh, 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 our mouths, right? Our entire bodies. Men consume them, honey, in the darkest of the nights. But literally, they go back to their day. They go back to their lives during the day. And so for me, I just feel like, how are we literally something that is so um, digestible, right? But then you don't like, you don't vouch for us
0: right. you don't
2: honor us
0: so let's talk about that let's that's something that i, I want to talk about why do you think it's so hard for black men to just be able to love and ah. be with a transgender woman why do you think that's so hard says i mean i already i kind of already have my answer but i want to hear what you what you think why do you think society kind of shuns black men from dating black trans women like, why, like, why do you think that is?
2: I, I, I t- personally for me, I feel like it's very, um, it's very straightforward, uh, because of fear, uh, because of stigma and also because, um, no one wants to be weak. No one wants to be soft. No one wants to be considered less than, right? As black people, we're already low on the totem pole. But as a black trans woman, bitch, you are underneath totally the root and the soil of that pole. So, in, so no one wants to be associated with that, right? I can get my dick sucked. Ooh, wait a minute. Okay, uh, right? Like a do people like, look, look, I'm just getting here, bro. But literally, it's like you don't, uh, you don't realize what that's doing to the person, right? You are demoralizing them. Right, yeah. as if they are not worthy uh, uh, of love, as if they're not worthy of intimacy, as if they're not worthy even of uh, uh, of time and space in this world. So that, to me, I think is really like the root. I think why um, why we often see that our that our sisters are subjected um, to, to to the trauma. You know, right? I
1: kind of I kind of feel
0: I kind of I, I believe I'm going to piggyback on what you're saying. I think that society. Holds black men to an unrealistic standard. How? Okay. They, hey. <laughs> follow me. They, white men are allowed to explore. They are allowed to feel. They are allowed to express. If a black man does that, he's considered to be weak.
2: Okay, you know what's, okay, hold on. Okay, so. He's considered what, to what be
0: weak if, or I, less I, than or not a man. You, I, you, you get what I'm saying?
2: yes uh i this is so funny i've I've recently had conversations with with my with my sister and also just like from a lot of my beautiful brown sisters who um uh like from college and like and, and folks that I work with uh, mostly in theater uh you know and we be kicking and cutting up backstage and whatnot but we often uh so, so this conversation came up a couple weeks ago about um, in our quarantine chat about how um socially it's acceptable and even um uh uh uh, worthy of praise right if a woman has been with another woman right there is excitement there's a nuance there's a pastiche really um to oh wow so she's open right uh she's fluid but if a brother would have said oh yeah uh i've been with the man before I mean, and this is not to be like cynical or crazy, but I honestly feel like eight out of ten women, like, like there's a, um, a, ooh, you know, like, oh wow, and and immediately it's um, well, you're gay, and I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Now, how can we literally? Um, honor, right, and literally praise a woman for being fluid or just, or for being open, right? To be uh, with someone of the same gender, but literally we don't have that same um uh space and candor for a man. It's so almost
0: like it's almost like we condemn the black man for everything he does. That's what I kind of feel like.
2: Uh uh okay, okay. No, I mean I definitely see that. I just feel like
0: um because and the reason why i said that i know that that's a strong a strong statement but it's like it's like they can't it's like it's they can't win they damned if they do and they damn they don't if they show too much emotion then they're weak if they don't show enough emotion then they have no feelings you get what i'm saying and and for me they i love my i love black men let me make sure i say that first and foremost i say that girl hold on This is not an attack on black men at all. I love y'all. Y'all give me so much joy and bring me so much joy. You are beautiful, beautiful, my beautiful black men. But I just think that it's unfair that we don't give them the same, that we don't give them the, the same type of, 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 of freedom that we allow other men to just be, to just be. That's that we don't we don't give the black man the power to just be and that bothers me.
2: Uh, I have a radical question. Do you think that's why we see that there's more acceptance in interracial relationships?
0: Shout out <laughs> <to> interracial. <I, laughs> oh, so, sh- yeah. Shout out to the interracial um, relationships. I, I, you know, that's a good question. I can't answer that question because me personally, I... I love black love. I'm not downing anyone, but my preference, I love black love. Um, I don't know. That's a good question.
2: I mean, Yeah. I, and, and I think that's for me, the question, question is,
0: that's a good question.
2: I think for me to, um, I guess what I'm trying, I guess I'm trying to really uh, get to, I guess, or just ask myself is like, um, do, do, is it more socially acceptable that you can be your full self? Sometimes, you know, uh, Uh, In spaces or in relationships with a you know uh, white or the you know or with someone else who's outside of your race, uh, who maybe doesn't uh, have the same uh, experiences that you do, uh, or maybe they're not going to be as um, uh, well. Sorry, maybe that they'll be more open. And, and, and receiving you in your full self. Um, I mean, this is something that I think is like trade vocab on a one, right? That like, you can be with a dude, right? But like, oh, we can't kiss. Uh, we can't hold hands. Uh, you know, like if we're like, we're just two dudes who do what dudes do. And, I, and, and this is like something that I've like, been, it, it's supposed to, but I'm just like, this has got to end. Because I don't understand why there isn't, and, and we know brothers who do uh, affirm each other, right? And, and they're able to hold each other's hands. They're able to hold space for for each other. And I feel like sometimes you feel like that is direct um, result. That
0: same, that same space often isn't held for trans women, though. And I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but that uh-huh. same space that same space that you just mentioned is not is often not held for trans women. But go ahead, sir.
2: But, and so for me, I feel the, I like, like, I just feel like, is it, yes, I understand that um, our Black brothers definitely have to experience, you know, things that like, maybe even our, like women don't, like our sisters don't really have to um, experience, but I just don't know if that's necessarily, like, I don't know if if, if that's gonna be justifiable, right? for, For perpetuating the trauma, for perpetuating the abuse, like I just don't know it. Like if I can just be okay with, well, I know that he's do, dealing with a lot, so so like he uh, can't always give me his full self. If that makes sense. So I, so I, I, for me, I just feel like it's it's something that I um, I constantly observe, and and I wonder sometimes if we could be more open. And accepting right and and, and, and and not tolerating but we need to actually accept and to love fully um, that like we have um, folks in our community of all walks of life of all colors all hues um, who love everybody and like I really feel like that to me is something that I would love um, for there to be more of uh, and just across the board and you know and, and like for me i mean, I, like I live in New York City so I feel like I definitely see um, uh like a spectrum right of black love black trans love um uh, you know a black queer love um uh you know ent- like interracial love but i know like in other parts of the country in most other parts of the country that is not something that is like so um like permanently seen right like i don't be seeing you know two brothers in walmart you know being their full selves <laughs> maybe at footlocker Right, but in in but in but not in the same capacity. So yeah. <laughs> you smiling over there? <laughs> yes, gorgeous smile.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean I... what's on your mind, B.E.B.? I just have a lot of feelings. I just have a lot of feelings. I do. Right, well let's talk about it. I'm not quite sure how to put them in words. Okay, okay. And I don't want to offend anyone, so I'm. Let me sit on it. Okay. Yeah. Yes yes,
2: yes. yes. Let me sit on it. Um, kitchen table talk later. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! But you know, I think um, something that has come up, I think for me, right, is um, is like a lot of folks expressing solidarity. And I think it's uh, great. Uh, I think we need more of it. But I think for me, I also just want to challenge those same folks and say um, we solidarity is very important. However, right. I'm really interested in like a subscription. I'm not really here for a one-time membership. I, for me, we need full-time, every day, daily commitment. Right? It, are an ally if you are an advocate if you are fighting for us for black trans power for black trans women for black trans men right for us and and our brown um and 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 latina communities like if we are really fighting um for us um to be loved and to and and to be our full selves in the world like i just think that like it just can't be a one-time thing and like you have to challenge yourself sometimes you have to be able to be uncomfortable and literally push through that uncomfortability push through it because literally the girls have been pushing through each day since the beginning of time Right, you don't have any hesitancy. When you wake up, you put your like literally, you put yourself on you, and you put on your shield, your armor, and you walk right out that door. Whether yeah. or not you Modega, whether are you going to the courthouse, whether or not you going to UPS to send something off, it's like you. That is innately you each and every day. So if you're advocating for that, I need that same fire. I need that same uh, intensity because you
1: can't. And say, I need it.
0: I need it. And I need. And also, I needed three sixty five. I don't just need it when something is when there's something going on, when there's a murder, when when there I need it 365, seven days of the week. I don't need it on and off. I need it all the time. It has to be a continuous rotation.
2: And Understand I think, yes, absolutely. And then I think, sister, like um it has to be there that that like um like that, that 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 level of solidarity excuse me that solidarity needs to be there when we're not there exactly. right we're not okay. in those rooms when we're like like when you're in the white spaces <laughs> when you're at home uh with your aunts you know and your uncles right and sometimes you know well they're just stuck in their ways or you know they come from a different generation like when you're there and they and they say something that's out of line you have to check them, right? And and it might even mean, which is so funny. I feel like in like in a rally, somebody was saying, you know, that might, you know, that 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 may mean, right, that like you're not invited to Thanksgiving next year. But that's fine. Like, be able to challenge them, be able to say, hey, that is unacceptable. That is not like I do not allow, right, for you to uh, relate or or to call people that way in front of my presence. Absolutely not. Uh, We have to speak up and we have to fight Uh, Because I think for too long We've been complicit For too long we've all been silent
0: Right? And not not only that sister And not only that It's also time For our cis brothers and sisters Our black cis brothers and sisters It's also time for you guys to start Speaking up for us as well Because you can't continue To expect us as a as the trans community to show up, and Y'all. when and when we and we're showing up, mo- and we we're showing up, but it's it, it's it's kind of unfair that we are always showing up, and when it's time for people to show up for us, there's no one there.
2: Honey, I mean, Tony McDade. Tony McDade in Florida, and you know, look, I'm from the, I'm from, and the- you
0: know, no no one is really talking about that. No one <laughs> is really talking about that, and you know, and especially with the trans community, especially with the black community. I'm not I'm not really hearing a lot of, commo- I'm not really hearing a lot of friction so, about I that. mean, literally,
2: it's like, it, it just goes on and on and on. Remy Fells, I mean, it's just like, how can we?
0: Myesha Brooker.
2: I mean, it's like, I, I really just feel like, how can we? Zoe
0: Spears. Zoe Spears was killed here in DC, you know? Literally,
2: Malaysia Booker girl. Okay, after <laughs> which is so crazy to me that like we are seeing these things sensationalized and, and literally recorded time and time again, right? Like so, let's what,
0: talk. So, sister, that okay. So that's interesting. I wanna, I wanna, and I, I hate, I hate to keep cutting you off, and I'm terrible at doing this. Let's ah, talk about the. Let's right. talk about the trans. I want to talk about the trans popula- like the trans community, and the police. Let's talk about that for a minute. How do you, what do you feel about that? Because I, I've had, I've honestly, I don't care for police officers. Um, I never have, no, honestly, I I've never cared for police officers. Being a black trans woman, I have been treated horribly by police officers and particularly black, black men police officers. I remember um, I was actually coming from DC at this particular point in time I was living in Annapolis Maryland with one of my aunts and um, I was coming I was going to New Carrollton station which is in um, which is in Maryland and I was coming I was going from New Carrollton to come into DC so I actually missed the train so I go to the bus stop right I'm, I'm on my cell phone you know I'm like oh my god I'm talking to someone I'm
2: just like I'm just, <laughs>
0: See Kelly Clarkson, Eddie Murphy. Ooh. I'm upset, you know. <laughs> I've
2: missed is- miss my
0: train. <laughs> exactly. And I'm walking back and forth. Like, I'm pasting. Like, I, when I'm upset, I pace. Do you know that this black cop pulls up to me? And do you know what he tells me, sis? He Girl, says, you can't work here. Mic drop. And I was like, I was like, dude, this is a fucking, are you fucking serious? This is a fucking bus, fucking train station, my nigga. I am at the fucking bus stop. You really think I am fucking tricking because you see me pacing at the fucking bus stop? You really think I'm fucking out here tricking? Are you serious? So ever since then, I have, I, listen, I know that all cops are not bad. I know that there are some cops out here who really, really believe in their job and really want to serve the community and serve their population. I understand. It's their duties. And, And I get that. But from my personal experiences, I just, I just cringe. I cringe. I cringe. I cringe. Let's talk about that for a moment.
2: I mean, I think, like, it's so crazy because I, uh, in undergrad, I had a very tu-wong-fu moment, right? Uh, we had just came from a little club, girl, and uh, it was like Sunday, Monday. Fu. <laughs> oh, baby! Okay, so literally... Um, and, and, and so, uh, you know, so it's a Sunday night, Kiki situation, potty, party, party, party. Uh, and so, um, my friend who 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 uh, drove me there because um, he had a four. Um, so he, you know, maybe he was, you know, filling himself the whole, t- whole night. And halfway through, I was like, oh, uh, I think I should drive this home. <laughs> and then maybe, um, you know, once I drop you off, like, you know, we can get get you your car in the morning, or I can drive back to your um, drive back to your place. And he was like, whoop, got it. Um, Um, And, you know, being from Florida, I always drive. And so I, um, and so, you know, it's like, I think three or something like that. Like, you know, like uh, during the little let out, everyone's like trying to figure out where they want to go. They're trying to go to cookout uh, and get their little, you know, yum-yums or, you know, just like chill. But I was like, it's time to go to bed and I got to go to work in the morning. And so, uh, and so literally um, we get in, seatbelt, all this stuff. And so we drive uh, to get onto the highway and baby, literally, it wasn't even like two minutes. (laughs) And so, and so I'm pulled over and I'm like, no, 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 no. I mean, full geesh, lashes, boot, like just full situation. And I was like, okay. Um, And so literally in my mind, I freak out because I'm like, how is this going to go? Yeah. And, uh, and so I literally just like tried to, you know, adopt, you know, the colloquialism. Yes, sir. Hi, sir. How are you, sir? What's the problem? Good evening, sir. You know, all of that. He didn't care about none of that right literally tells us to get out the car take a breathalyzer and i was like sir i don't understand why are we being pulled and literally and he's like what did you say and i was like and so we are literally trying to comply with everything and so i literally i take a test all this stuff girl hands me walk okay and literally i'm in heels and I, girl we done been so literally i was just like okay well i'm not gonna pass this test, sir uh i'm how do you want me to walk straight and live my toes are like at the feet of these you know little moments so so anyway oh, this. Toes were in, maybe um and so literally i'm walking and i'm trying to like i was like sir um uh, clearly i'm not I, like i haven't been drinking uh i was still under 21. i was like sir i haven't been drinking literally my friend um uh, this is his car uh i just wanted to take us home uh you know, being the designated driver, uh, I I apologize if we were speeding. Lily had not even told us why we were being pulled over. Baby, he was like, Well, uh, like the license plates are expired. I said, What? And, and so, and you know, he starts to get a little bit more uh, uh short and, and and a little bit more brash. And so I was like, you know what? I literally had to say, if I try to fight it's not gonna go down well. And at this point, two of the cop cars pulled up and I was like, sir, literally, I don't want any trouble. I just wanna get home safe tonight, do whatever you need to do. I just like, we just wanna get home safe. And he's like, we're gonna have to tow the car. I said, baby, tow the car, tow the car. And I was so scared because literally, I I was so paranoid to reach in the back seat to get my cell phone. Cause I was like, like, and his energy was just so dark and so mean. A white
0: cop or a black cop? This girl, white cop.
2: Yes. And um, yeah, yeah. And so, literally, I was just like, "Look, I'm not even uh, like I. I really don't even like. I was scared." Truly. Because I was like, I mean, this is literally like things that we hear, but to actually be in that situation, I was terrified. And I literally was just like, I can't even call because I was so terrified that if I reach for the phone, what, like, what is he going to do?
0: I think that there, I know here, I know here in D.C., um, Mayor Mario Bowser has the LGBTQ liaison unit. Mm-hmm. Um, I but i believe i believe the oh, you- um, the <laughs> members of this unit i believe all of them um identify as lgbtq i know that we do have a trans woman um on the on the force here in okay. dc so that's amazing i actually met her a couple times um i've i again i still just don't get down with police
2: absolutely yeah no, I, I'm,
0: I, no matter how nice i just
2: no I, because i mean and, and, and truly i mean how can you feel safe right when yeah the, yeah While you know walking while being black and trans will get you arrested
0: yeah i mean i, mean, so, I cannot like i there are certain places in dc that if i was to go and walk and let's just say that I have a condom in my purse. I can get arrested. I could get a solicitation charge. Yeah, I can get arrested because I have a condom in my purse, and I'm walking to the grocery store, or to the to the library, or for just going for a fucking walk. Like no,
2: uh, and then they're trying to put you in a, a male situation.
0: Uh, it, it listen, listen, listen.
2: It's like literally like the abuse just doesn't stop it 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 doesn't like like on all facets of the thing um it's unfair, it's
0: unfair. so let i want it less on a lighter note with <laughs> like joy let's talk about joy <laughs> like yeah. what is what does black <laughs> trans joy look like to you oh
2: my gosh no
0: and i'm I'm asking you all the questions. <laughs> <laughs> What does Black trans joy? Well, I'll go first. I'll go first. I'll go first. Okay, um, wait a minute. Thank uh,
2: you. Sister Mira, hey, baby. Hey, uh, baby. What, <laughs> what does Black trans joy look
0: like for you? Um, Just unapologetically, like, yourself. Just unapologetically walking in your truth walking in your womanhood um just owning yourself just just walking in your in your knowing in your being um i have this thing that i follow the divine feminine which really resonates with me um i'm not gonna get too too deep on it but Oh wait a minute! Come on, come on, come on! Like- uh, no, I'm not. I'm not going to get too deep on it because it's it's a spiritual. I'm on. I'm on a spiritual journey right now. Um, but the divine feminine re- is something that really, really resonates with me. And um, for trans women, I just see us as these beings, these these beautiful beings, because we embody something that people that is so complex, right? That people can't even understand. That's how complex we are. That's how beautiful we are. That we are so beautiful that they can't even understand it. Remember when in the Bible, when God described the angels, the angels were so beautiful that they were androgynous. They, they people couldn't tell if they were man or woman. Yeah. Oh, man!
2: Look, I I want to. What about
0: you, sis? What does does Black Trans Joy look like to you, sis? Uh,
2: For me, Black Trans Joy um, looks like me. Looks like you. Yes. Right? Black Trans Joy, to me, isn't necessarily um, about um, sexy appeal. It's not about... Yeah. I mean, you know... That that joy can be all used. That yeah. joy, um, you know, have all levels, right? Of uh, of self-appointed care. Yeah.
0: Um,
2: that to me, black trans joy is about intimacy.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, not just intimacy, but intimacy with yourself. Now, and 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 I'm not being perverted when I say that. I'm just saying, just just being like. No, seriously, sister, just I'm, being at a, at a wholeness with oneself, that's beautiful. That's something that no one can take away from you, no matter how hard they try.
2: It, and, and, and honestly, what I love about that is also it's like, um, you, to me, uh, Black Trans Joy is not about getting validation from other people. I am valid. I am enough. Right, I, I am my full best self. Um, and, and to me, that's, that's also being Black. It's being black. It's undeniably Black. Undeniably. Okay. <laughs> and so for me, I really, really truly really feel like that is what my Black trans joy feels like. Uh, and, and it's not about trying to embody a mold. It's not about trying to embody uh, another uh, ideal situation right? of what is even passable.
0: Exactly. Let You know what? Can we talk about this whole passability shit for a minute? Because <laughs> no, I, I get it. I get it and I understand why it could be important. But can we also talk about for the girls who, I just don't think that it's fair. I don't okay. think that the game, I don't think the game that is played with passability is fair. Because a transition is that, a transition. Shit is not going to happen overnight. Mm -hmm. You know, my mother always told me, when I started my transition, luckily, my mother was very supportive. She was very supportive, but she didn't understand in the beginning. But she always told me, she said, Amira, you know what? I remember I was dating this guy. I was Mm -hmm. talking to this guy. And... I had just started my transition. So girl, I had came home from college one day. Well, one week I came home from college. I was supposed to see this guy. The guy was coming from, the guy was coming from Baltimore. Okay. We linked up and I come outside, bitch, I'm all done up. You know, I ain't, I ain't have everything that's going on now. I ain't have everything that's going on now. And when I get in the car, He tells me to get out of the car because I'm not passable enough. So I immediately wait. I immediately go in the house. I'm crying. And my mother, like, she's like, I will never forget this moment. God rest my mother's soul. She was like, what's wrong with you? Like, what's going on with you? And I said, ma, you know, he told me that I still look like this. He told me that I look like this and I wasn't beautiful enough. You know what my mother told me? What she said, there people always, people always make fun of the caterpillar, but they bask in the glory of the butterfly. Oh, she's. T- say that people one more time. All, listen. People uh, always. I- I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it again for those in the back. People always make fun of the caterpillar, but they bask in the glory of the butterfly. It's a trend. It's. This is a transition. This is not something that you won't wake up one night and, and be a Bruce, a Caitlyn Jenner and be like, oh my God, I'm here. It don't work like that. And it's no shade to her. But for a black trans woman, we don't have the funds to go out here and to get access to hormone <laughs> therapy, to go out here and get all these surgeries and to get this body work, and to get that body work, and to get these bags. We don't have the, the type of funds and access, linkage to care to do that fucking shit. And it's no shade. I'm not taking away from my white trans sisters and brothers, but the white trans experience is not the same as the black trans experience. And I wanna make sure that is very clear.
2: Most well,
0: definitely. It's it's not the same. It's not the I mean,
2: same. I mean, uh, look, the reality is a white trans person is the what white, it's the what
0: privilege right. okay
2: so, oh yes so, so i mean and, and that again is just something that's reality right so it's not to say that uh we don't love and we do exactly
0: don't... no of course not i have love i love everybody so i want to make sure that i'm clear on that but i also want to make sure that i'm clear on the facts
2: yeah that i mean it's it's so disproportionate and you know it's so i love that Shout out to
0: moms, y'all. Yeah. I know. Because- I, miss, I miss my mother. I miss my mother so much. Like I was so, I was so blessed because I started so I started I started transitioning when I was 19 years old, right? My first year in college, I went to the Art Institute of York Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um yeah. and uh it was just I ran track in high school. So yeah. I had a lot of muscle mass on me. I had a lot of muscle mass on me. So it, it was completely different <laughs> at nineteen versus thirty one. So Girl, 30 young. And 30, Ow, oh, thank you. <laughs> so um just to have my mother, you know, send me money for hormones. Um, I remember I was I was self medicating. And I was getting my hormones from this, uh, in, from this online pharmacy um, shipped to my dorm. And wow. I would like, mom, I need money for hormones. Like sh- I remember when I came home from college and my breasts were actually developing. And I'm walking around the house. My titties just bouncing. She's like, uh-uh. You can't walk around my house like that. We need to go get you a bra. <laughs> yes! So we went to Victoria's <laughs> Secrets and, and she got me my first bra. So those things like for me and 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 to go back to a part of my trans joy what black trans joy looked like for me that was a part of it just having that type of support from my mother from the woman who gave birth to me you know like that really that really don't get me wrong she did she got a lot of shit wrong in in the beginning stages that's all right but but that's all right but in the ending of the stage, you know, in but in the, not in the ending, but in the transition, she kind of started to come to a little bit. And she was there for me in ways that was just so beautiful and so um, amazing. I remember she was battling, my mother was battling breast cancer. And um, unfortunately she had to have a mastectomy. And I was like, oh my, don't worry. We are gonna go get our breasts done together. <laughs> and, and she was like, and she was like, you know what? yeah, let's we gonna go get our breasts done together you know and that was our
2: thing. we was gonna try to go get our breasts done together no, but you know so honestly what I, I love, thank you for sharing that because that definitely feels like a testimony to love I so and the much. power of I, I think sometimes our parents they just don't know they don't you know and and if they and I just wish that we could be honest, right? And say, look, I don't know what's going on, but literally, I love you. Right. And let's just get out together. Right. Because I, I will don't have all the answers. I may not know how to uh, um, help you along your journey, but I'm here with you along that journey. Right. I just think that's something that literally I, I wish my mom would have said. I wish my parents would have like been open. I even wish my siblings would have been like receptive. Right. Like right. we got you and, and it just really felt like and I know and, and I know that, um, that a lot of my other brothers and sisters out here who um, who have to find their own family
0: yeah
2: right because unfortunately we do not uh, fit the uh, like like the roles or or, 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 or or the preconditioned roles or like uh, we cannot fit right the benchmark of what a Christian household looks like right. And so us we're not allowed to be ourselves right we're not accepted. We're not received. Like like love is not given to us. So as humans, we need that love, and so we find it where where we can. And so I think, and some of us are even more grateful, right, or or are blessed enough to even have the opportunity to like create your family and right. your family. So I think it's um it's just something that I just wish that more parents could just be earnest and open about. Um, because literally, I think we could stop a lot of our young people feeling like that they don't belong in this world because the truth is they belong. They are beautiful. They have value.
0: And not only that, but they are our future. They are our future. And if we're not investing in our future, Uh what are we doing? Then then what, what are we doing? How are we investing in ourselves as the human race if we're not investing in our future well that, I think that is my question
2: yes yes and I and, think it's well, like we can't um, we can't always be you know vouching for black love and black pride and all these things but again there's a division right like only certain us blacks get to get to be counted in right exactly
0: yeah. exactly part Exactly.
2: part of the glow-up census No, y'all, like the gays, and uh, y'all confused, like literally, like we aren't even considered. And that's so, so, so problematic. So
0: let me, okay, so how do you feel about, because I kind of feel that there's often, um, I kind of feel that transgender women, uh, black transgender uh, individuals often take the back seat on the LGBTQ. I kind of feel like we are often pushed to the back of the back of the bus. Um, I know that Dave Chappelle, he made some he made a joke. Oh, I
2: remember that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it was like a little a
0: joke. Um, but I honestly I I wasn't, I really wasn't offended by it. Because what he said, it kind of held a little weight. I, if now he now the joke that I'm talking about, he made a joke on one of his stand-up shows, and he said that in the LG basically what he said in the LGBTQ community, the gays are in the driver's seat.
2: That's I the
0: Lesbians are in the passenger seat, That's and right. the transgender community is banging on the window trying to get into the car. Now, do I think that it was his place to say? I don't think that it was his place to say it, but do I think he was wrong for making that statement? Me being a black transgender woman
2: uh, knocking on that goddamn window? Hell yeah. Shit.
0: <laughs> so how like sis, let's let's kind of break that down a little bit. Like how do you um like how you feel about cuz I often um I often I've I've had experiences uh where I know that because I was trans, you know, working in a predominantly gay um, male atmosphere, I, kn- I knew because I, it was because I was trans that my voice wasn't being heard. Um, I could recall working in workspaces um, where I was the only trans person. I remember I was working at a nonprofit here in DC yeah. and it was a reputable, great nonprofit um but there were two cis women one was black one was white they both identified as lesbians. and for some reason you can just feel when someone just doesn't when someone just doesn't really when you're not a person's cup of tea yeah for some whatever reason and I remember there was a uh I was on the job for less than 30 days okay. and there was a 30 day review that we had to do. Oh. Okay. So I had gotten two reviews and the things that they were saying about me, I knew who the reviews came from. But oh! the things that were the things that they were saying, even my supervisor was like this doesn't sound professional. This sounds personal. HR, where y'all at? so like how do you how do you like feel like how do you
2: yeah uh for me i definitely am uh, i
0: making sense am i making sense yes yes okay okay i just wanted to make sure you was following me i didn't know if i was (laughs)
2: um no i completely agree um and i echo what you're saying because i feel like um, I think just historically right, the girls have always been um you know uh the source of life, the source of party, the source of entertainment, right the source of a good time uh, but when it comes down to our uh our hearts uh, our security our housing uh our, our food uh like literally the things that we need to survive, that advocacy and that awareness is. Nowhere to be found.
0: Nowhere. Yeah, I
2: feel like there is a there is an issue, and that literally with e- even us being at the bottom of the totem pole, yeah. there is hierarchy there, right? Yeah,
0: there is hierarchy. Yeah,
2: and literally we are only ca- called in, right, to entertain, to be jesters, right, to get. And life.
0: that's something else that really that's something else that really bothers me. Is it's it's almost like we're not we're not taken seriously like we're just we're just there for shits and giggles
2: and that is why when our sisters go down this shit is allowed to happen because no one speaks the fuck up because no one fights because no one actually uh and not so that people don't care, but I really feel like we don't have the same uh, conviction, right, we do not have the same, uh, like we don't hold the same space for the girls, right, for our trans brothers and sisters. So I really feel like it's not something that, um, that we can ignore anymore. That shit ends today, that shit ended yesterday. Truly, ended yesterday. I really feel like we have to hold our own community accountable. And that includes Black, gay, lesbian. I mean, the 100 yeah. includes the Black church. We look yeah.
0: at Oh, my God. Particularly the Black church. Oh.
2: We are looking at y'all, too, right? Because, honey, the girls also tied. Can we right? say it
0: louder for the people in the back?
2: Okay. The church, we are looking at you as well. Because the girls also tied weekly. So do not expect us, right, to be there but then you don't see us in return. That love and that praise and the adoration is not reciprocated. Absolutely not. Y'all will come and get into our music. Y'all will come and get into our looks. Y'all will come and get into our food,
0: right? and And come and try to figure out who did our makeup so we could do theirs too. I'm not your accessory. I'm not your fucking handbag. I'm not your motherfucking shoe. I'm not your sunglasses.
2: We are not tokens, right? That you can pick up when you I'm need- not
0: your fucking emotional tampon oh. that you could just take out and stick in when the fuck you want to. There she go. Did there I she- did I I'm sorry, sis. Did I go there? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to go there. I had a flashback. I had a flashback. No. no, 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 no. I had a flashback. I'm sorry. No apologies
2: allowed. But I really feel like, um, again, we have to hold our community accountable. We do. And literally that conversation literally needed to have happened yesterday. And so I really think that it's something that we need to start in our own homes. Uh, I will share something that is um, eye-opening. Um, when I, well, I, anyways, I've always been So, But like my sister, uh, she got married. A couple years ago, and so now she has a family. She has uh, three beautiful babies, and literally, I was had not been in their lives. And part of that, um, you know, my other siblings were saying, "Well, you know, um, her husband's Christian, you know, and so and so." I'm sure he just feels like, you know, he just wants to protect his kids. What protect his kids? What from what? From gayness? From trans, like, what
0: is he trying to protect them from? You know what, and that's funny. That's so funny that you bring that up. So I have a cousin, we're blood cousins, yeah. but she's almost like, she's. we were raised, that's like my sister, it's three of them, and they're all like my sisters. Um, <laughs> but we're blood cousins, but I, but they're my sisters. Um, and she, she, we had a conversation the other day And she was telling me that she had a conversation with her daughter and she was telling me that her daughter, because her daughter, you know, you know how kids are young and kids are, kids are, can be mean. And because, you know, her, her daughter would compliment other little girls like, oh my God, like, you know, her shoes are cute. Oh, her hair is pretty. Well, other kids at school were starting to call her gay and you know for my niece she's like not even she's not even like 12 years old so she doesn't have an understanding
2: they don't have that concept
0: yeah they, she doesn't even have an understanding of what it is but what touched me the most that my cousin samantha well i'm i'm not going to say her name but my cousin would touch me the most Cousin keisha my cousin keisha <laughs> <laughs> would touch me the most was that the conversation she said that her and her husband had with her? They said, regardless of who you are, who you love, it doesn't matter. We're going to love you regardless. Yeah. And, the, and she said the reason why she had that conversation with her daughter was because when I was coming up when I was younger, like 13, 14, and I was finding myself, my mother wasn't that open to it. Mm -hmm. I was very feminine. I was a very feminine little boy and she didn't like that.
2: You were an angel, honey, from
0: God. Exactly. And she saw and my cousin saw some of the things that my mom did and put me through. Again, she wasn't perfect, but she you know and she said because she saw those things, she didn't want her daughter to feel as though that she wasn't loved, that she wasn't supported. And I was just like, wow, like Wow, that really moved me. And my and my cousin, she actually, cu- she actually gets on me because she's like, you know, they need to know who their auntie Amira is. Like, you're so fabulous. They need to know who she is, and that feels good. That I have family who's like, you know, who wants to have me involved in not only their lives but in their children's lives.
2: Most definitely,
0: that, and you so know that. Yeah, I'm sorry, baby. That feels really, really good. It really feels amazing.
2: And, uh, I just wanted to, uh, this really makes me think of something that uh, I saw during the quarantine. Uh-huh. And I guess, like, in the earlier part of the quarantine, a little bit right after Tiger King, and uh, before, well, before, you know, Mayhem, uh, but there was a little boy uh, online. I believe he and his little sister were doing the sa- Savage Dance Challenge. And and the Guardian, who I think was the
0: on. Oh, I remember that video. I saw it. Yeah,
2: that to me was one of the most hurtful things I've seen in a long time. It was highly triggering, and I was just like, literally, this is where the trauma actually starts. The
0: trauma starts. Yeah, yeah. It's an,
2: like that. It's a moment in my own life where I was absolutely. Um, Beat right for acting a certain way, and so I just feel like this is like this is learned behavior. Um, this, is, this like this is the kind of behavior that um stunts our beauty, it stunts our growth, and it stunts us from actually being able to be unified and to actually be equal and to be considered an equal. Um, sister, this has been such a beautiful. This- um, opportunity if, to hold space with you listen I,
0: I hope that i hope that i made sense in what i was saying excuse me. i know that i could be a hothead sometime i'm a fiery capricorn so i'm sorry
2: and, uh, and i'm a red hot capricorn a caliente red hat <laughs> hot tamale baby
0: <laughs> so <laughs> um but this this has been such a pleasure and an honor to hold space with you. Thank you to the Healing Space Podcast for having us, um, and allowing us to share this space, this time. Um, Raven, thank you so much. Um, really, this was beautiful, sister. Do you have anything you else you would like to say? To
2: say honestly, I just think um, I just want to say thank you um, to us. Really, I think sometimes we have to hold space for ourselves yeah. and that really want for uh the fire and the energy that we see out in the world i want us to hold on to this fire right we need to hold on to this momentum and and remember this is how we need to come together each and every, and every- oh. this is how we need to come together We're literally in november right yeah yes Back uh, yes. yes. to get real again We have
0: to keep the same hold energy
2: on. hey we need to make some changes yeah. and this is possibly look like so i really pray and again thank you to the healing saints. like I, I i love you guys so much and literally this has actually been a really healing uh, a, a, a really beautiful way to heal on this sunday
0: yes yes
2: oh wait a minute i was gonna say too um should we say where people can follow us um,
0: um yeah so you can follow me um on instagram at the vein beauty that's T-H-E-B-A-I-N-B-E-A-U-T-Y.
2: Yeah. And you can find your girl, Queen Jean, uh, at uh, Q-W-E-E-N underscore J-E-A-N. I love y'all so much and thank you and continue to tune in to the healing space. Okay. So next,
1: I want to get into the good news um, section of the healing space and wanted to talk about some, you know, some good news I I definitely want to share with the Misfit Universe. Um, So first of all, I want to mention that I myself actually graduated from college last month. I graduated with my um, bachelor's degree in social work from California State University, Los Angeles. Graduated magna cum laude. So yes, round of applause for me. Um, And also I wanna mention that I am a 2018 uh, Point Scholar. For folks who don't know the Point Scholarship is the nation's largest um, LGBTQ scholarship of merit. And I was awarded the scholarship in 2018 and i just found out this month that i've been awarded a second scholarship um so i was accepted to simmons university in boston i will be uh i have officially signed up for my classes i'm enrolled as a master's student in social work so i'll be obtaining my msw degree um i got into a very competitive advanced standing program so it's just one year a one-year master's program so it's going to fly by very quickly. But uh, fortunately, I was awarded the Point Foundation Scholarship. Um, There are only roughly, I believe, um, maybe three or four Black trans women who have ever received it. My fellow um, sister, Vanessa Wari, who's based in Los Angeles, she also has received the scholarship. Um, So shout out to Vanessa, another incredible Black trans woman. Um, But I decided I wanted to pursue a degree because, uh, you know, in social work because I want to get my license. I want to be a licensed social worker and really be in the room. Like I said, my brand of activism is being in spaces where I'd otherwise not exist. And so we need Black trans women in conversations around child welfare. We need uh, Black trans women in academia. Uh, We need Black trans women, period um and so any way that we could show up and do the work is you know to be celebrated and revered to be affirmed you know and i also just a touch point i also want to mention affirmation is emotional support literally so feel think about ways that you can affirm emotionally support black trans women and celebrate our success as well um and then one other point I wanted to make, so as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I was I spent 14 years in the foster care system, um, and I did not know, um, I knew my mother. <clears throat> she lost custody of me when I was around eight, but my birth father had uh, abandoned me as an infant. His name was literally not on my birth certificate, so I never knew who he was other than having a name and, um, and then my mother describing him as, that no good so-and-so and so about five years ago I actually did my own research and I found him um, using white pages from social media just doing my own little investigating and when I found him I discovered that I actually had eight brothers and sisters um, that I did not know about and 25 nieces and nephews yes take that in for a second so as someone who grew up in foster care it's almost like this embarrassment of riches. I'd always had this image in, of my in my mind of being an aunt someday and having a big family and and also having the experience of being a black family member because you know in foster care, you can very easily lose your sense of blackness um, and black pride and, and understanding how to you know the black lens through which we see the world when you don't have access to black family. And so that was one of the biggest blessings that I, in my life that I've received. And so to date, I've met all of my siblings. I've met most of my, my nieces and nephews. Um, I, cannot, I couldn't tell you all 25 of their names, but um, I very much love that time. And a little story I wanna share is that when I found out who my father was, I found out that I had family um, here in Boston, where I'm based now. I um, there was a, there's a restaurant here in Boston. Shout out to Down Home Delivery, um, a soul food restaurant. When I lived here in Boston six years ago, before I moved to California and then came back, um, I used to order from that restaurant all the time. I loved it. It was real down home soul food fried chicken macaroni and cheese candy yams they had a stuffing and a dressing that kind of soul food and so i found out when i found out about my father i i actually learned that my family owns the restaurant that my family owns down home delivery and that all the years i've been ordering from there it was my uncle mike uh uh my uncle mike was the delivery guy my auntie gail was excuse me my auntie glennie was receiving the orders on by the on, on the phone.
0: And then
1: it was my cousin, Sherelle, who was doing the catering, and I believe was also the kitchen manager. And so, and my Uncle Gary is the owner of the restaurant. Um, so the whole time uh, I had been ordering food in this place, I never realized that that was my family of origin. And it, for me, it's a very spiritual moment because you know, mentally, you think to yourself, there's nobody out there, nobody that really wants you. And internally, like, it's it filled this hole. And it makes sense, even from a spiritual perspective, because even while I didn't have access to them in the way that I, uh, you know, wanted to, that mm-hmm. they were people who were still feeding me. They were, uh, my family was still nourishing me and providing me with food of the soul. And for me, that was such a powerful aha moment. And so I decided, as I started spending more time with this family, I wanted to actually being around them more. So even though I had moved to Los Angeles back in 2014, I decided that if I got into a master's program, I wanted to go to number one, one of my dream schools, which is Simmons University. But I also wanted to be around this family. And I. And so I, last month I actually drove cross country. I left Los Angeles and drove in my uh, my white Toyota Prius, uh, and I drove for five days across 12 states, 3,000 miles, to come and stay with my family. And it was the best decision I ever made, especially given our current events. Um, because now I'm, I, feel this, I feel fully enveloped by this Black family. And I get to engage in conversations I've never had before with cisgender Black men and cisgender Black women and this feeling of connection and connectivity. And I wish that I could mirror this for so many other Black trans women who may not <clears throat> have that privilege of having access to their families of origin and have had to really be out there on their own and have to, having to put together some sort of semblance of a web of connection. And so there are still good things happening in the world. And. I just wanted to share that story. I feel that that is a success within itself. When I say I'm successful, it's not just me being, you know, a, you know, documentary producer. It's not just having a, you know, Emmy nomination under my belt. It's not just being a national scholar or a college graduate. I also see success as, you know, me being able to beat the odds and me being able to successfully cultivate relationships with. The people from whom I emanate, and so I want to just leave you with that, and and let you know that there is still goodness in the world, and that there are positive experiences with Black trans women. Don't just look at us and think about and think of despair, and don't think and don't look at us with sympathy. We don't need sympathy. We don't need pity. We need you. And um, you know, on that note, I just want to. Thank you all for taking the time to to listen. I want to thank Sensei Raven Ekundayo. So I just want to take this moment to thank everyone for um, joining today, listening, um, engaging in a, the siblinghood or the beginning of many conversations that need to happen. I encourage you to not just be a hashtag activist, That that you have to show up every day, that this is not just... Uh, a fad what you see going on in the world right now these are not parades these are protests and so we have to protest and in, in order to and this has to be for the long game it can't just be a quick little movement and then going back to normal we cannot go back to normal it doesn't work that way normal is we need to recreate we have to throw out that word normal and come up with something else something that works for us where we have equity where we actually are able to not only survive, but thrive. And so I want to just thank you to Sensei Raven Ekundayo, and thank you to everyone for offering this space and taking a moment to just listen to me, you know, share some of the things that are on my mind. And with that, I want to thank everybody. And this has been the Healing Space Podcast.